Damn, Brandon Alex, Teddy Manny, that's my team. Try to drop the gloves with Jimmy, you get smacked to smithereens. Take a fire, this is Philly, greatest host you ever seen. If you bleed in black and orange, then the pot is what you need, what you need. Truth be told, if you listen, it's gold. Jumping in the wagon, if you're coming, get in, grab a hold. If you're rolling, better be with the boys from the H up. Information, you can pin it if your wind is in the sub. Bobby, Reggie, Bernie, Dave, Gary, call it love. Now we coming up. Brushy bullies, that's what's up. Welcome, everyone, to another HW Prospect show. This is the seventh edition of the show. I'm Jim, joined by my co-host, Dan Silver, and Manny Benavidez. Guys, it's been a little while since we've last talked. What's uh, what's new over here? Well, we'll start with Manny. How you been, Dean? Everything's good, man. Missed you guys, and uh, hope you guys are still doing well. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of getting used to this new normal a little bit of just kind of staying home and, you know, once a week going grocery shopping kind of thing. But yeah. other than that, hopefully there's some light starting to get to the end of the tunnel, but... It is a lot slower of a process than I, you, or really anybody would like. So hopefully this gets done uh, a little bit faster. 100% agree. And, and Dan, what's new with you? Not much, man. Yeah, it's great to be on with you guys again. It's, uh, it feels like, you know, I don't even know when the last time was because these days, I can't tell if, if they're, it feels longer or shorter. Or, it's just like nothing I've ever experienced before. You know, the days just kind of keep rolling by and it's the same thing. You stay inside and watch your favorite TV shows and... I don't know, trying not to think about the fact that there's no hockey going on. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's crazy, but it is uh, weird, ready yeah. to talk some from Flyers prospects. Yeah, we definitely got that for you guys uh, tonight. So I'm sure if you, if you listened before, we already covered offensive and defensive prospects in the pipeline. Tonight, we're going to wrap up with the goalies, and we have a lot of goalies to get to. We're going to talk some general draft strategy, and then, Manny's got a couple names he'd like to see the Flyers uh, select if uh, they will be picking in 24, 25, 26 range in the draft next month. Um, but first, let's get to the goalie. So I mentioned the Flyers are stocked with goaltending talent in the system. They had a couple of those guys play for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms last year. Uh, Dan, let's start with Felix Sandstrom. What can you tell us about Felix? So Felix Sandstrom is is was one of my favorite prospects with the Flyers for a number of years. You know, they drafted him out of Sweden uh, back in 2015, and he he's just I kind of fell in love with him through the World Junior Championships. He was really good there. Uh, he he was really good in the Flyers summer development camps, and he was just kind of okay. He was playing kind of above his age level, so to speak in Sweden, playing in their top professional league, the SHL. And he was putting up just decent stats. Um, nothing great, but he was playing against older guys, so you could see some potential there. And I just always loved what I saw from him. He's a third-round pick. I actually, at one point, had him ranked one spot higher than Carter Hart as a prospect maybe three years ago, I want to say. And he had some health issues a couple seasons ago where – they eventually said that it was something called a hiatal hernia and he missed almost the entire season. It never really, it was, it was very hard to tell what was going on, but he came back from that and he, he's, he's never really 
looked like the same goalie before that situation. And he finally came over to North America. We didn't know if he was going to play for the Phantoms or with um, the Reading Royals at the ECHL. And he started out the season in the ECHL. And he just, and it's basically a double-A league. He just didn't perform very well. I mean, he his numbers were atrocious. He had a 3.27 goals against average and an 8.85 save percentage. And that's going to be in comparison to the next guy we're going to talk about, Kirill Ustamenko, who's actually younger than Sandstrom, playing also at Reading and had a much better season. So I had high hopes for Sandstrom coming over to North America. He's a very athletic goalie who, like I said, in spurts just can look really, really good. And he just, for some reason, has not been able to put it all together. And I finally kind of gave up on him as a, as a NHL prospect. Um, and he, the first year, he's out of my, he was out of my top 20 prospects list. And it's just really disappointing because I think he had so much potential. And hey, look, he's only 22 years old. And goalies or voodoo, they maybe, maybe he'll start developing um, as the seasons go on. But, but a very disappointing season for me for Felix Sandstrom. Wow. So I was, I've got to be honest, I wasn't expecting to hear that. I mean, uh, for, like, you were t- like you were talking for so long, it was, you know, Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom, you know, one of them is going to be the goalie of the future. And I was kind of thinking like, okay, you know, Sandstrom, you know, rough year. Uh, first year in, uh, in in pro hockey, he played with the, the Reading Royals 25 games, played a game for the Phantoms. 22, 23-year-old kid. I guess, you know, usually goalies come up, I guess, between 23 and 25, right? I mean, Carter Hart's like the anomaly there. Like, goalies don't usually come up when they're 20, 21 years old and, and play like Carter Hart does. Uh, what's your – how do you project Sandstrom? Is he going to be – is he a guy that's not going to be in the system – or is he going to be on another team in the next year or two? Like, what do you see happening with Sandstrom? So his contract is he's got one more year in the his contract, and then he's still a restricted free agent. He just has to – He's at some point he's going to have to start producing because right now he doesn't even look like an AHL caliber goaltender. Mm. And so, I mean, I, I assume next season he'll – depending on what happens with, you know, with Alex Lyon – um, who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. I, I, I'd assume that Ustamenko will be one of the Phantoms goalies next year. I don't know who the other one will be. Maybe it'll be Sandstrom, but he didn't prove that he deserves a chance in the in the AHL. So, I mean, if, if he doesn't perform again next season, it's be very hard for me to see the Flyers. You know, he'll be a restricted free agent, so they could just sign him, but he might just go back to Sweden. I don't know. It's it's He's going to have to prove next year that he belongs in this organization yeah that's interesting i know i was kind of putting you on the spot there but it just you know for so many years that's we've heard Hart and sandstrom Hart and sandstrom coming up the flyers are going to have you know at least one goalie out of those two and you know we definitely have Hart, but uh, you know for like you mentioned for a little bit there it looked like sandstrom was the guy right so it just uh kind of sucks if if you can't cut it in the ahl that'd be a, a, a bummer i think and uh, before we move on to Ustamenko, man, did you have anything you wanted to add in on uh, Sandstrom? Uh, yeah, just that, you know, for a guy with who had a lot of hype uh, after he was drafted, and I believe he did play for Sweden internationally at a tournament. I don't know if he was a starter or if he was a backup, but I think he was 
at either a World Junior or an Ivan Holinka, or now it's a Gretzky Holinka tournament, if I'm not mistaken. But he was he was the best goalie in the tournament in the World Juniors. Yeah. Back in. Um, I want to say in 2016, 2017, in the World Junior Championship, he put up a 9.15 save percentage and a 2.17 goals against average, and he was phenomenal. Yeah, and I mean, for a guy who really sparkled like that at that tournament, and then, you know, it, you're right, guys, it was always, you know, Sandstrom Hart, Sandstrom Hart, Sandstrom Hart, almost together like a tandem. And I don't know, once it became clear that, you know, Carter Hart, is definitely going to be the goalie of the future. I guess it kind of left, you know, Felix in a, in a bit of a, a quandary. Like, I mean, where, where do you go from here? He comes over to North America. I know he spent an extra year over in Europe and, and that's fine. There's no, no issue there. Um, you know, Swedish players and Finnish players all know how to speak English. Uh, they're taught it in school. They're pretty well versed in the language. So that really shouldn't be a barrier. It is a barrier for, you know, Russian players or other Eastern Bloc kind of, former Eastern Bloc countries, but he comes over here. He played incredibly well in his Flyers debut, which was in the preseason. It was the rookie game against the Islanders, if you recall. He made a bunch of great saves. You know, he kept the Isles scoreless in the first period where the Isles shooters were, you know, dominating possession on the Flyers. Um, I think they pulled him... Uh, and it was a planned pull. He, he was only supposed to play half the game anyway. I think he had just allowed his first goal, but I think the Flyers were up 2-1 at that point. And he had made quite a few big saves to keep the Flyers uh, ahead in that game. And everyone was raving. And I, I was feeling great about it too. I go, this is a very good problem to have. Having, you know, heart in goal and then Sandstrom kind of in the AHL, you know, ready to, you know, nipping at his heels, you know, not going to take over the starting job, but certainly worthy of NHL backup consideration. And then it's a really good problem to have. And then, you know, to see him kind of get demoted after a couple games and then going to the ECHL. And I, I think at the end of the year here, he's got, you know, 13 wins and 11 losses. But I mean, at 327 goals against average in 885 save percentage, I mean, he did get two shutouts in there, but definitely a disappointing first uh, season, uh, pro season in North America for Felix Sandstrom. And, um, you know, you guys alluded to it. He's He's got one year left here on his contract uh, before he becomes an RFA again. And it's a big year. It's a contract year. And, and I think he kind of wants to jostle for position uh, with uh, the goalie pipeline is getting flooded. Um, I think it's a more of a matter of uh, quantity over quality at this point. Hart is the clear cut. Listen, he's not a prospect anymore. He's a full fledged NHL or he's the guy. And really it's about kind of surrounding the system with the, with the goaltenders that are, that are going to be anchors for the phantoms and for the Royals and, and, and for, you know, for the rest of the guys are going in junior hockey. Sandstrom's got a lot to prove. This is a very big year coming up for him. I don't know if it's the ice international ice going to the North American ice. I've heard um, guys like Jason Martitas, uh, who used to play goal, say that that's a big deal with, you know, sight lines and, and just the lighting and everything else. But you know what? He really needs to uh, to have a big year uh, here next year. He really does. I think he can, um, but he's got to show it. And he's got to show He's got to prove it to the organization. Now, those are good points you brought up about the ice and whatnot and the, and the angles, difference in angles and the lighting. Um, so for me, I, I usually give a guy – 
uh, I guess a year. I mean, you'd like to see him come in and, and play well right away. Uh, maybe for goalies, it is different. You know, I'll give him a season, you know, it ends up with a crappy uh, save percentage and goals against average. I mean, the Phantoms weren't, weren't exactly a great hockey team this year. And, you know, I, I, I didn't follow the Reading Royals as much, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to give these guys a year. I'll, I'll If Sandstrom kind of does the same thing next season, it's a shame. But, uh, you know, the, the Flyers don't have any shortage in goalie prospects. And there's going to be a, a guy, and specifically a guy that we're going to talk about next, that could, you know, bump him out of a spot. So the next guy on the list is Kirill, Kirill Ustamenko. And he really, I think, started making a name for himself with Dynamo St. Petersburg, at least while he was in the Flyers system. 2018-19, he posted a 1.78 goals against average and a 9.27 save percentage. Played a uh, majority of this season with the Reading Royals, uh, where he posted a 2.40 goals against average and a 9.19 save percentage. Saw some time with the Phantoms. Dan, what can you tell us about Kirill Ustamenko? So Ustamenko is a guy who was very, at least for me, was kind of surprising this year. because he, So you mentioned his numbers um, in Russia. He was playing in the MHL, which is basically like the Russian Junior Leagues. And the numbers sound great. Like you said, he had a 178 goals against average and a 927 save percentage. But you got to take that in context. So if you look at that league that same year, for all goalies under the age of 20, he was like ranked 16th in save percentage. Because that league's a very defensive league. So those, he actually, his numbers, he took a step back from his draft season to that, to his second season in the Russian juniors. And so when he came over here, he's a year younger than Sandstrom, never really quite as heralded as Sandstrom. He's not as flashy or athletic as Sandstrom. He doesn't kind of make the breathtaking saves that you saw Sandstrom make at the World Junior Championships and you'd see him make in the Swedish Hockey League. But he came over and he played at the same exact level that Sandstrom did. He played with Redding for most of the season and a year younger, he completely outplayed him. So Sandstrom had a 3.27 goals against average. Ustamenko was at 2.40. Sandstrom had an 8.85 save percentage. Ustamenko was at 9.19. So it's not just like Ustamenko barely outplayed him. He drastically outplayed him just, just based on the numbers to the point where at the end of the season, Ustamenko earned himself a call-up to the AHL. He actually got a cup of, cup of coffee with the Phantoms. Uh, the Phantoms were terrible, especially down the stretch. And so his his numbers were not good there. He was like a three eight four goals against average, eight eighty nine save percentage. But you can't really put a lot of stock into that. The bottom line is is that for me he was a big surprise this season because I was expecting Sandstrom to, to outplay him, and it was the complete opposite. And Ustamenko's a tall guy. He's six three. He's kind of a, a skinny tall guy, and he's going to get a chance with the Phantoms next year for sure. Uh, and and we'll see if he can take that next step up. I mean, nothing about him that I've seen screams NHL goalie to me. Uh, again, he's not like he's, he doesn't have the athleticism of a Sandstrom. He doesn't have the positioning or poise of a Carter Hart. But then again, who does? But uh, but you just never know with goalies. And he's a young kid. I mean, he's 21 years old. So Ron Hextall saw something in him that had him take him in the third round. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be exciting to see how he develops. Interesting. So uh, are these guys that 
could potentially be NHL backups to Carter Hart or no? Yeah, I mean, well, what you so, but that's what we need, right? Like, yeah. he, here's the, you know, Carter Hart. You don't want your goalie these days playing any more than fifty, ideally fifty to fifty-five games for an NHL starting goalie. So you need, you're gonna have another goalie that's gonna play two-thirds of the games. And we saw it early in the season, like Brian Elliott kind of kept the Flyers in a lot of games early in the season, and he he played very well in spurts. And you you need a good backup, and so. It's not you can't just kind of like rest easy saying, okay, we drafted all these goalies and we got a franchise goalie in Carter Hart, and that's great. Now it doesn't matter what happens to the other guys that we drafted. No, because first of all, you need a guy who's going to be the backup who you can pay an entry level salary because Carter Hart's going to be due a lot of money in a couple of years, and it's going to be really important to have a goalie that's on an entry level salary, you know, for this cap for the cap for this team. The other thing is that they're assets, right? Like. If Kirillus Domenko and Samuel Erson both develop into NHL goalies, well, then you can trade one of them and get something in return because young NHL caliber goalies are worth something. So, you, this, you know, we want these guys to develop so that, A, we can get a good backup to heart, and, B, we can trade some of them for assets. Yeah, and, and that's kind of, I think, what I'm hoping. Like, you mentioned Sandstrom may not – Let's. I think the goal is right now for at least for me for either one of Ustamenko or Sandstrom to pan out so that they could possibly flip the other one, or or you know what some of the other guys are going to get to maybe they flip both who knows, but before we move on to our our next prospect here, Manny, have anything you want to add in on Ustamenko? Um, I guess just to kind of I like where the conversation was headed there with uh, with what Dan was saying, so. Looking at the Phantoms goaltending this year, it was it's pretty obvious that it was nowhere near good enough, right? It was a, an Achilles heel to to a team that I mean, yes, they lost a lot of talent to the big club, um, and there was call ups and then demotions and all this stuff. There was a lot of flux, but ultimately the goaltending let them down. And if you think about it, the Flyers last year, you know, when they had like ten goalies playing for them at, at stretches in the season. That's what it kind of it just triggered in me uh, just listening to Dan what he was saying. They kind of got to figure that goaltending tandem out in the AHL. And I don't know if Ustamenko and Sandstrom is is the key. I I don't know if you keep Sandstrom right now in the ECHL and let him prove himself there until he can. Uh, otherwise, you know, I don't want to see a tandem of Ustamenko and Sandstrom right now. Um, I think that's why, I mean, listen, Ustamenko got called up once JF Berube got, uh, you know, got traded. Um, so they made room for him and, and quite honestly, he did deserve the call up and you want to promote guys that deserve the call up looking at, at, and making that connection between the flyers last year and kind of what the phantoms did in their struggles this year. If they were able to solidify and get a starting goaltender to work with Ustamenko and kind of mentor him. Remember, he's a European, right? He's Belarusian. He's coming over here. He's just getting used to all this stuff, too, in North America. The food, the travel, um, you know, sometimes the AHL, they do three games in three nights, you know, those triple header kind of games. He's just getting used to all this stuff, too. And he is younger than Sandstrom. Maybe the key is you keep Sandstrom in the ECHL. And you bring in a veteran. Maybe you got to re-sign the Alex Lyon 
and uh, and keep him on the Phantoms to kind of mentor and, and just be a solid building block. I'm not crazy about Alex Lyon. I don't think he has an NHL future. But when you talk about NHL future, and I'll, and I'll bring it back to Ustamenko, I, I kind of sit there and I go, I had the reverse reaction. I mean, they were... They were so bad this year, the Phantoms, that I thought, you know, ooh, Sandstrom or Ustamenko, I don't see them as as even a, an NHL caliber backup. But at the same time, you know, goalies are different. They take time. Um, you kind of got to wait and let them kind of develop at their own pace because once they get it, then they get it. Like it, it takes a, t- a time to get there, to read the pace of the game, adjust to the systems, the style of play. Once they get it, though, they get it. I mean, Carter Hart got it last year, and he got that call up, and he ran with it. Um, they kind of need somebody on the Phantoms to do the same. Um, I don't know. Right now, my gut reaction is no. I don't think any of those two guys are, are going to be NHL backups. But that could change a year from now. I mean, all it takes is for Sandstrom to have a really solid bounce-back year, you know, Ustameko to continue on uh, developing in, in, in the AHL with the Phantoms, and we can, and you know, it can change. That's the beauty of it. But I do think they do need to figure that position out because I don't think having two young guys fighting it out for that starting position with the AHL in the Phantoms organization is the right move. I think they're going to need a vet and a young guy and kind of, you know, bring them along. And then once they're ready, kind of ship off that vet if they need to. And if Sandstrom's ready to make the jump, then make the jump. Other than that, I think uh, slow and steady wins this race here. Yeah, I think that's a solid plan. Dan, anything you want to add in uh, to what Manny said before we move on? No, I, I think what Manny said makes a lot of sense there. I, I agree that you kind of want to have balance. You don't want to have two young, unproven kids as the goalies for the Phantoms. I, I totally agree. Yeah, solid plan, I think. So let's move on to a player who played in the WHL this year for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, I believe was a sixth round pick for the Flyers in last year, 2019, uh, in Roddy Ross. And Manny, we could start with you. The Hot Rod. That's going to be my <laughs> nickname for him. Um, you know what? Roddy Ross, yeah, sixth round pick, Jim. You got that right. Uh, 6'3", so he's on the taller side. He's still a little lean, you know, 184 pounds. Um, he played all season with the Seattle Thunderbirds of the WHL. Um, you're going to look at his numbers and you're going to say, meh, nothing, nothing big here, right? Nothing important. 20 wins, 21 losses, uh, 3.17 goals against average, 908 safe percentage, zero shutouts, really pedestrian, kind of a step back from his first year. Uh, he only played 25 games as a rookie in uh, in Seattle, but uh, he kind of had, you know, a better record. Uh, I think he would admit that he kind of took a step back. But if you dive in a little bit deeper and, and actually watch him play, there's some encouraging signs there. He's, uh, he's really good at taking away the bottom of the net, really good positioning-wise. He's square to the shooter. He reads plays well, really makes a lot of stops with his pads, not a crazy glove, but certainly it's not a weak glove either. He's made a couple of good, nice glove saves. I would say, though, that Roddy Ross is more a victim of the team that he was on. And I say that because the first half watching the Seattle Thunderbirds playing sometimes, it was really frustrating because, I mean, the first game, 
he made 50 saves, first star, uh, on 51 shots. They won their game, and you're like, whoa, this guy, this guy might be a hell of a player here coming up. And then you look, and Seattle just couldn't generate offense this year. They ended up, by the time the season ended, they were solidly in a wild card spot. But again, they're not like one of the top teams in the WHL. And and if you look at the goaltenders in the Western Hockey League, you got, you know, Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips, the guy that replaced Carter Hart. They're a solid structured team. And it's really rare that Dustin Wolf sees more than 25 shots in a game. And, you know, there's a reason why he is the WHL goaltender of the year. You know, lowest goals against, highest save percentage, most wins and nine shutouts. Pretty safe to say that that's a recipe for success. The thing with Ross is that his team just doesn't generate enough offense to give him a chance to win those games. Um, it got better probably around the midpoint of the season. They started getting a little bit of the offense going a little bit more, and they were less reliant on Ross to just flat out have either a good game and steal the game for them or not, and then they lose. Um, just to give you an idea, I was kind of charting – you know, some of his, uh, of his numbers here. And he, he was, I gotta say, he was pulled five times this year, not great, but at the same time in games that he had over a 930 save percentage. Okay. 93% of the pucks he stopped him. You would expect that the team would win the vast majority of those games. He, uh, Seattle had a record of 11, four and four in those games. So that means that they won 11 times and they lost eight. So even though he was, you know, playing really well, they still found a way to lose eight times. That's not good enough. In games where kind of counting games that he was, uh, sorry, where he had uh, over a 915 save percentage, it was like a nine and six record, something like that. Again, that's about average. And that tells you that it's kind of close. They're really relying on him to have a good game. Towards the end of the season, his, his play really improved. Um, five of his last six games, he was uh, named a, one of the three stars of the game. Um, tons of saves, um, really getting on track. He's a guy that just got traded. So he's uh, he was flipped by Seattle for a, a bevy, a treasure trove of draft picks, which is common in, uh, in junior hockey. So I think Seattle got a first, a second, uh, and like two thirds or something like that in in the, like the next draft. Um, so he's going to be going to a new team next year for his third year. Regina was not a very good team this year, but they drafted first overall. They got a kid uh, Bedard who's supposed to be um, an elite level kind of talent. They're rebuilding around him. He is going to be the guy. He's born in Saskatchewan. Uh, he's going to be playing in Saskatchewan now. He's not going to be playing in Seattle and, you know, rainy, dreary Seattle. Um, and guys from Saskatchewan kind of have this pride thing. I think them and the Newfoundlanders in Canada and, and the Quebecers too, they've, they've got like the most pride in, in where they come from. And I could see this being a real big year for Roddy Ross. Um, he's going to be at home, you know, in his home province playing with the Regina Pats and uh, he could see a big turnaround. I mean, I, looking at the numbers, it's easy to you know look down upon the numbers and say, yeah, he didn't have a good year. But overall, I think that is more of an indication of his team more so than him. I mean, he was pulled a few times, no doubt. Um, but he did have some really strong games too. 
And I think the, the key for him is consistency. That's the thing that he's going to have to work on. He, he needs to be dependable night in, night out, every time. I know his backup in Seattle, Blake Lida, is up for the NHL draft this year and is ranked by Central Scouting. So he's probably going to go in the later rounds, I would guess. He had some good games, but you know, overall, I didn't, I didn't see anything uh, crazy special. But they're obviously going to go with him now, and uh, Ross is going to have an, a new year, a new lease on life. And um, I'm not too sure about his background, but he may have uh, indigenous uh, blood in his in his family, in his background. And I do know that he does do a lot of things for indigenous youth and things like that, just like a certain guy that plays for the Montreal Canadiens, who was a Western Hockey League goalie as well, and Carey Price. And, and he's also pretty cool. He's got a bit of a personality. He did that Hot Wings Challenge uh, when he was in Seattle with an assistant coach and with uh, one of the defensemen on the team where they get to eat hot wings and kind of answer questions about uh, their careers and stuff. So uh, overall, I, I think uh, too early to tell with with Ross in terms of where he projects uh, in the NHL uh, or AHL or, or what have you. But I think next year is going to be a real interesting uh, year for him with the Regina Pats for sure. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to see how he does with his new team next year. Because uh, you're right. If you're looking at his numbers, you're like, hey, this kid didn't really have the, the best of years, you know. But it, it makes you wonder how good the team was. And if, you know, a lot of times if you're playing, if you're the goalie and you're playing with a terrible team in front of you, you're kind of at the mercy of, you know, what, what your team's doing. It should be interesting. Maybe the change of scenery helps. You mentioned that, you know, Saskatchewan guys are, you know, they're proud guys, so maybe that makes a difference. It'll be interesting to see. You know, he's a he's a younger kid. Uh, he's got time to develop, so should be fun to to see. Dan, any thoughts on Roddy Ross before we move on to our next prospect? You know, I think man, he covered it pretty well, and he clearly has a much more in depth knowledge of Ross than I do. So I, I'll let uh, what what he said speak for himself. I'm interested to see how he does. Uh, just like you said, Jim, uh, go into the new team next season for sure. Okay, let's move on to the next name on the list here. We have, I think we're going to cover two more guys. So let's get to Samuel Erson. Did I say that right, Dan? Erson? Yeah, I think it's like Samuel uh, Erson. Okay. Something like that. Uh, so this is a kid who really made some noise uh, about a year ago, I believe. And I know for myself, I, I started to get excited. I believe it was after the... World Junior Classic. Didn't he have a really good tournament there? Uh, I yeah, think it was a year a, ago, 1819. He, he had a phenomenal World Junior Championships last year. So so tell us a little bit about him because for a second there, it, it could have been, you know, from from what everybody, how everyone was talking about this player, it was like, okay, is he now the number one prospect in the system or what? So just for some perspective, uh, Roddy Ross I didn't have in my top 20 prospects. Felix Sandstrom dropped out of my top 20 Flyers prospects. I had um, I had Ustamenko at number 20, and I had Airstone at number six. So wow. for me, he is far and away the best goaltender in the Flyers prospect system, or at least I would say he's far and away the best prospect uh, that the Flyers have right now between the pipes. And it's funny because so he was drafted in in the fifth round in 2018. 
180, and he just had a absolutely sensational draft season. I mean, he was he was really good for Vastros in the Allvenskan, which is like the second tier Swedish professional league. And he put up a 195 goals against average, a 933 save percentage. And then in the World Junior Championships, which is the cream of the crop for, you know, under 20 year old players in the world. He was sensational for Sweden. I thought he was the best goalie in the tournament. He uh, 922 save percentage, 223 goals against average. But it's more than the numbers. He was just, he's really good in that tournament. And um, that, that just kind of thrust him into the spotlight. And this year, he took the step up to the, the SHL, the, the top professional league in Sweden. It's really a very similar trajectory that Felix Sandstrom had after being drafted. And so Airstone in that league, he was the only goalie under under 21 years of age to play more than 20 games in the SHL. And that's to tell you a lot right there. And he was one of only two under 21-year-old goalies to play more than 10 games. So he, his numbers, which were fine, he put up a 2.90 goals against average and an 8.95 save percentage. It's certainly nothing to write home about, but you have to put that into context of his age and that he was playing against the top uh, professionals in Sweden. This is also like Felix Sandstrom, right? Sandstrom was one of the youngest guys uh, in the Swedish hockey league, and he just put up okay numbers and he never progressed. There were some injury issues, right? So you got to keep that in mind. But Airstone has basically taken a very similar path to Sandstrom and Sandstrom was a big prospect two years ago. So we know that goalies, it's very hard to predict their trajectories right now. It, there is nothing but positivity surrounding Airstone as a prospect. And he's very, he's athletic. He's got a lot of poise. He honestly, he's got a little bit of Carter Hart in him, the way that he plays, just his style. He's just a, he's a very good goaltender prospect right now. I'd say he's probably one of the top 10 goalie prospects in the NHL is, is, is what I would say. Mm. And so this year is going to be a big one for him. He's, he's playing in the SHL again. It's funny. He's playing on the same team that Sandstrom and, Oscar Lindblom played for Brynäs when they were playing in the SHL. So his, his ideal career trajectory is play another season in the SHL and then perform well enough that he feels comfortable coming over to North America and then play with the, hopefully the phantoms the season after that. So that's his trajectory right now. For me, he's far and away the best prospect uh, between the pipes in the, in the Flyers organization right now. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see how he progresses. But I'm moving forward with cautious optimism because of what we saw happen with Sandstrom. That, that's kind of how I was feeling with that, too, because for the same exact reasons. We got excited about Sandstrom. He, he made it to the AHL or, or the ECHL and didn't look that great. Now we're getting excited about Erson, and it's like, well, what if the same thing happens? So maybe pump the brakes a little bit. But, you know, he had a, he had an outstanding World Junior Classic. Rough first year in the, in the SHL, which... You know, it's turning out to be a pretty solid league to play in. Manny, thoughts on Samuel Urson? You know what? Like everybody else, thrilled when, you know, we drafted this guy and his draft year, he just came up daisies. I mean, 1.95 goals against average, a 9.33 safe percentage, 27 wins, 9 losses. You couldn't get any better than that. It, as Dan said, you know what? He was in the Al Svenskan. He was in the junior sort of league this year and listen and I still agree with Dan that he is the best prospect now in this in the flyer system in the goaltending position I don't think there's any question about that 
I think though that the year that he had last year um, is where people started now to talk about Ustamenko because Ustamenko kind of you know took a little bit of the uh, of the buzz surrounding the uh, the, the prospects uh, in the goaltending uh, chain, but he did have a bit of a of a down season. But again, you got to remember it, it's his first year in the SHL. He's playing against grown men. He's the new kid on the block. It's totally normal for him to start off fairly slow, and he's still got 14 wins. I mean, 20 losses too. But he's Burnass is a is a pretty good team. I don't think that they're one of the elite teams uh, in Sweden, but you know, there's room for him to grow, and I have no doubt that he is going to continue to get better as he gets more used uh, and acclimated to the style of play, uh, playing against you know bigger, stronger competition. Uh, in that league, I think it's totally natural that he had a you know a down year, and maybe we were spoiled by that first uh, year that uh, we didn't see that you know return to the average uh, sort of season. In comparison to other prospects at the goaltending position across the NHL, top ten is an interesting number. I don't know. I don't know if I would rank him in the top ten. Maybe top fifteen. I think for sure. Uh, top 10, there's some good ones out there still, uh, depending on if you count uh, uh, the, the Rangers uh, goaltender. Um, oh, God, his name just uh, escaped me. I should know him. I drafted him in my hockey Chess pool. Jorkin. Chess Jurkin. <laughs> thank you. Um, I look like a genius uh, taking that guy. Everybody was like, who's this guy? I'm like, I don't know. I'm hearing these things about this Russian guy. They got but, another one. They got another guy up there uh, too, don't they? Another guy coming through the pipeline or is it just him? Georgia. The Islanders. Well, oh, the Islanders, Sorokin, yeah, right, Sorokin. right. The Islanders, Sorokin. He's supposed yeah, to be Yeah, Pekka Lukanen from Buffalo. Yeah, there's a couple of them out there. But uh, certainly, I'm really happy with Ursan. Would have liked to have seen a bit better of a season from him. But, hey, I totally understand. He's a young kid. Uh, he still managed to get a shutout in his first uh, pro season. So, you know what? I, I anticipate uh, a better year from him this year. Yeah, for sure. He's got numbers to build upon. He's going to be playing in the it's his second year playing professional hockey in, in Sweden. So, you know, we're looking for improved numbers. And then hopefully the next season he, he brings his talent to uh, Lehigh and, and is able to adjust quicker. I don't know if you guys can tell me. Um, in Sweden, don't they play to a similar ice size as over here? Is there are their ranks still wider than than states and, and Canadian ranks? Yeah, it's a wider. It's, it's wider. It's the international size. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So maybe that's it. So he's going to have to adjust. I mean, the angles are going to be different. So it'll be interesting to see. So we want to see improved numbers next year while he stays over in Sweden, and then when he comes over, it should be interesting to see how he adjusts. The last guy, the last goalie we're going to talk about today, and maybe you guys can tell me if this is true because I didn't know this until literally just now. Is six foot eight? Is is Ivan Fedotov really six foot eight? Six seven, six eight. That's what I've heard. Yeah, six. He's eight. a giant. He, he could play goalie from his knees. Yeah, we're joining the World Wrestling Federation. One of the two. <laughs> He's a monster. Six eight, two hundred and three pounds is what I have. I'm looking at here. Uh, Dan, what can you tell us about Ivan Fedotov? Oh man, I. You know what? I love this guy. He might end up being the best of all the guys we're we're talking about. I mean, we we already talked about how goalies take longer to develop than other players. Now we're talking about a 6'8 goalie. So you got to take that and multiply it by, you know, we talked about Isaac Ratcliffe. As tall as he is, it takes those guys longer to develop because they're growing into their body. And Fedotov, people were 
ready to write him off after the, you know, they took him in the seventh round in 2015. So this was a project. This was not like an early round goalie. He really struggled early on in this career. I can uh, pull up his numbers here, but he, he was, he just didn't do really anything of note early on. He was drafted in 2015 and then his numbers after that, I mean, were just kind of pedestrian. He was sort of forgotten about. And then this, this year in the KHL, he just came out and had this absolutely studly season with Traktor Chelyabinsk. He 32 games, he put up a 931 save percentage and a 210 goals against average. This is not an easy league for a, a fairly young goaltender to play. Just just superb numbers. If you look at all goalies under the age of 24 in the KHL, which the KHL is probably the second best league in the world, among all under 24-year-old goalies, he was second in games played, first in save percentage, and second in goals against average. I mean, he's, we're talking about it. He's a legitimate NHL goaltending prospect. And I had him as, I think I had him 21st right after Rustomenko in my Flyers list. Um, instead of the top 20, I did 21 because I just had to include Fedotov. The question is, is he going to come over to the NHL? Because we've seen a lot of very good prospects that have decided to stay in Russia. And you just never know if these guys are going to come over. So that's the big question mark for, for me. The good news is the Flyers can't lose his rights. You know, we were talking about how if Wade Allison doesn't sign, if Linus Ogbear doesn't sign, if Tano Lezinski doesn't sign this summer, uh, the Flyers can, you know, will lose their rights. Because when you're drafted out of Sweden, when you're drafted out of the NCAA, the team only holds your rights for a certain number of years. In Russia, you hold their rights indefinitely. So we'll have Fedotov's rights permanently unless we trade those rights. And if he comes over to the NHL, he will be in the Flyers organization, assuming we don't trade him. So that's the big question mark, though. He's a 23-year-old goalie. The longer these guys stay in Russia, the less of a chance that they're going to come over. But the other way to think about it is maybe he wanted to wait until he found his way and proved himself before he, he wants to potentially come over. I think he's got one year left on his current KHL contract. So next summer, we could find out if he's coming over here. And if this guy comes over, oh, my God, 6'8 goalie with the kind of season he had last year, he, he could be the kind of guy who'd be ready to step into the NHL potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's uh, – I mean, he's still a kid, but he's not one of the younger guys on our list here. He's 23 years old. You know, by the time next season starts, he'll be 24 in November. Six eight though, a six foot eight goalie. Like I just, I gotta see it. I have to see it in action. Uh, he mentioned seventh round pick in 2015. Put it all together last year. Manny, you want to touch on Ivan Fedotov? Yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about him other than obviously he drank a lot of milk when he was a kid. But <laughs> um, other than that, I mean. I think he recently was in the news because I could have sworn I read something somewhere that he had just signed uh, an extra year on his deal. And I guess if he came over to North America, he would be 25. Wow, okay. But I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I could have sworn I did see that, though. But um, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're, he, he just I just saw he signed with Tractor through 21-22. So he's over there for at least two more seasons, which means if he comes over, he'd be 26 years old. Yeah, so I, I thought I did see something about him signing uh, an extra year on his deal. But um, again, I don't know uh, where he would fit 
uh, in North America right now in the system. But hey, if he wants to apply his trade in the KHL and continue uh, getting success, uh, I wouldn't mind uh, having a, a little uh, Russian goaltender of her own to kind of shove in the uh, Rangers fans' faces. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, he's a big guy. I'd like to see video on this guy about, you know, can he move? How, how mobile is he? Like, you, you got to be able to move in the net. Uh, being big is one thing. You do cover a, lo- a lot of the, you know, the gaping cage, but um, I want to see how he moves. Uh, like, if, if he's pretty uh, agile uh, for that size. If so, uh, I mean, you, you, I, I hate to compare guys to guys in the NHL because it's not fair, but when I think of a big goalie, I think of, like, Ben Bishop. And uh, you know what? He's, he's kind of been an under-the-radar guy. He's a big guy, but he's a damn good goalie. Like, he, he gives his team a chance to win uh, all the time. And I don't think he gets enough, uh, enough credit uh, for his play. If, if we can get uh, Ivan Fedotov to continue playing well in the KHL, all the power to him. That's another great, uh, a great find uh, for the Flyers, uh, for the goaltending system. Yeah, if he, what do you guys think? If he continues to play in the NHL and he develops it the way he seems to be, I guess it's better than him developing in the AHL with the Phantoms, right? Like he's playing in a, you know, in a league with with grown men, the second best league in the world. It's almost like playing in the NHL, right? Like so, he's getting the proper seasoning, he's getting the proper training and whatnot. So, is it crazy to think that once his contract is up over there, that he could? hop into a backup role in the NHL? Oh, I think that's that could definitely be a possibility. You're, we're now talking about he would be 26 years old when he comes over. Mm-hmm. I would think if I'm 26-year-old goalie playing in the KHL, I don't want to come overseas unless I'm going to be in the NHL. So, you know, it's hard to know where his head's at in terms of yeah. if he eventually wants to play in the NHL or not. But But if he does, I think when he comes over – he could absolutely step right in. It's an interesting situation for sure. I mean, they, they have a bunch of guys that are seemingly like, imagine all these guys have good years next year. They're going to have to make decisions with Sandstrom, Ustamenko. You got Ursa knocking on the door for the Phantoms. Uh, you got this guy playing over in Russia. Roddy Ross, who we talked about, if he has a nice year in the WHL, or uh, Regina's WHL, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you do with him? It should be interesting because they have – Enough prospects, that's for damn sure. More goalie prospects now than I can ever remember in in my Flyers life here. Which leads me, I guess, to our next topic here, guys. Unless you have anything you wanted to add in on Fedotov. Uh, well, what? He plays for uh, Chelyabinsk Tractor. And you know what? The guy's like as big as a tractor, for crying out loud. I love <laughs> this guy already. Perfect. Awesome, Dan. I love the, I love the optimism with Ivan Fedotov. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, a seventh round pick, and and we're excited about him coming over. A, a friggin' goalie prospect. It's it's just crazy. Like, could you? He could beat up any goalie in the league too. I'm I'm guessing. <laughs> That's funny because Manny mentioned uh, WWE or or whatever it was WCW, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> So that brings me to our next topic here, and that's general draft strategy. And Manny, before the show, you know, you mentioned that this might be a draft where we finally see the Flyers not pick a goalie. And, you know, after we just went through seven or eight prospects here, it, it could make sense. And what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of think that that might be where they would be heading. I don't know. They've, they've picked, a, I don't know how many years in a row, but it seems like quite a few years in a row they've picked at least one goaltender. 
And I'm just looking, you know, looking up and down that first round. And I'm, I always love reading mock drafts and things and, and trying to see like, oh, did, did they pick one of the guys that I like? And then if the, if the writer doesn't, I'm like, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about kind of thing. But um, <laughs> I'm looking at this draft class and it was weird because I was just while we were talking about Fedotov, uh, Brent Flair's comments about this draft kind of popped up and I was like on uh, it was on Dave Mel- uh, Bill Meltzer's blog. And I was, I was kind of intrigued by the comment. He said, you know, it's a strong draft class, but eh, it's not the greatest one that I've ever seen. And I thought, really? I'm like, that's kind of, I mean, it's, I know it's not the greatest one ever, but it's generally regarded as a pretty strong class. And especially when you look at, I think that the Flyers, like, first of all, every, every GM out there always says, well, we're going to take the best guy available. And I might get in trouble for saying this, but, I think they're lying. I think uh, I think everybody says that, but if there is a glaring need on in your farm system, I think it kind of hinders you if you don't address it. And you can always say, "Well, hey, this guy was at the top of our draft list." Who's going to be able to tell you? Nobody knows. Nobody can see other people's draft, uh, you know, rankings and everything else. That being said. I really, when we talked about, you know, defense in, in our first, uh, in our, sorry, in our second uh, meet together here on HW and, you know, Dan loves Zamula. I like Zamula too. You know, I happen to like uh, Cam York a little bit more, whatever. 1A, 1B, right? It's hard to see the Flyers drafting a defenseman that's going to kind of move the needle in their farm system or in their prospect pool that can kind of keep up with some of those guys or, or even some of the secondary guys that they've got already in the system. Goaltending, it's the same. It's like they've already got so many guys. A lot of them still have question marks. A lot of them are still very young and they're, they're either still in Europe uh, or just going to be starting their professional careers uh, or barely have started in the case of, you know, Sandstrom and Ustamenko. I don't know if they're going to take another one. Everything screams forward for the Philadelphia Flyers in this first round, you know, and picking 26, all the, the, the mock drafts that I'm looking at, I'm, I'm kind of seeing like guys that, you know, I, I like are still there. Uh, I just saw one today where Seth Jarvis was drafted 30th. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's happening at all. He screams a guy that teams love recency and especially with the shutdown of the, the seasons all across uh, the board, you know, teams are going to be looking at, okay, who was better in the second half? Who were the guys that really showed that they could play? And he's one of those guys. I really don't see him making it past 20. I kind of did, you know, a month and a half ago. I don't think so anymore because I'm seeing him more and more uh, going in like the, you know, 17-ish kind of, 18-ish kind of rank. 26 the Flyers will probably still get a decent player, but I think for them, and I always love trading up, but for me, if they could go up five, six spots and get to 20 or 19, that would be great. You would really have some options there and and really have uh, some decisions to make about, you know, who you like and and who you'd want to go with in that with that first round selection. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, so I'll make a prediction. I think that with one of their two seventh-round picks, they're going to take a goaltender. I totally agree that, you know, 
it's this system is so stocked because of what Ron Hextall did over the years, just never trading any draft picks, only adding draft picks and not trading any of the prospects that it's like this organization like doesn't even there's not even that many holes in the in when you talk about, you know, non elite level prospects. It's like everything is well stocked, which makes it interesting. I I agree that I we should the Flyers should try to trade up if they can, and I haven't done a ton of prep work yet on the draft. I mean, we still don't know exactly what the date's going to be. It feels strange talking about the draft happening before the season even finishes, and who knows if the season is going to finish. But I I think that the Flyers are going to maybe try and move Gosses Fair this summer. I would not be surprised if they try and package him with their first to try and move up. I don't know how far up that would get you. you know, we were talking before we started recording that it seems unlikely that that would get you into the top 10. Teams rarely trade picks that high. And I'm also not sure if, I guess it depends on, on who, you, who you get and how much how, how far you move up. But it's like this team, people talk about, oh, let's, you could move Ghost for like a, maybe a second or third round pick. And it's like, do we, does that even make sense unless you're just trying to shed salary? Because we have so many prospects that are of a second, third, fourth round caliber that I'd rather try and package them to move up. This team does have just a glut of, I mean, especially with signing Linus Sandin from Sweden, there are just so many second, third, and fourth line type forwards in this organization. It's like the, there's just not many needs. When you look at the young guys currently on the roster and you know the, the, the prospects that they have, I do agree that forward is their biggest area of weakness right now, especially with the Lindblom situation and the Patrick situation, a lot of uncertainty there. So yeah, I would be game for trying to move up and take a, a you know, take a, a better forward than they could get at whatever, 24, 25, wherever they end up picking. Yeah, I think I agree with that with both you guys. I mean, we, we've covered pretty much the entire system and this is by no means a knock on the way they've drafted and the system or, or, or whatever, but they have a lot of names. They have a lot of guys, but nobody offensively. I mean, besides Morgan Frost, I, like part of me doesn't even count him as one of these guys. But like no one that's really like, wow, like I can't wait for this guy to make the Flyers. You know what I mean? And I feel like if they're going to move up in a draft, and if if they do need one thing, it's that that kind of player that makes you go, wow, like. I can't wait for him to make the Flyers, right? They have a lot of guys, just guys, offensively. And like I said, that's not a knock. Uh, defensively, you know, Manny mentioned guys like Zamula, York. Uh, I'm leaving one guy out, I feel like. I don't know why I can't remember. Um, maybe, And then maybe guys like Wiley, maybe Millman. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, offensively, no one that's really knocking down, you know, no one that really – like I said, it makes you say, wow. I mean, they have guys like Ratcliffe, sure. You know, that has, he's got to prove himself in the AHL. And uh, Bobby Brink, uh, you know, had a nice year uh, in, in the NCAA. But uh, for me, if, if they moved up for a guy like Jarvis, I'd be like, holy crap. Like, I can't wait to see how this guy plays at the NHL level. Or, you know, uh, some of the names we have on this list here. I mean, even if they got some of these guys that, that Manny's going to talk about in a little bit, I'd be happy. But... There, there are some really, really nice young players in this year's draft that if the Flyers could trade up to, to get, I believe that they would fill a need in their system. They need a wow guy. That's that's really what's missing, I think. 
Yeah, and I mean, I mean, listen, Frost is a WoW guy. You know, I don't know, WoW for me, I, I like him, but oh, yeah. um, the the but the, it's weird. Like, there's with the draft maybe happening in June, and we haven't even seen the end of a regular season or even a finality for you know this is what the final standings are going into the playoffs. I really don't know how this is really going to work, and and I've heard that the NHL really, well, Gary Bettman really wants this to happen. But I mean, if you've got conditional picks and things, like how does this get sorted out? You, if I'm a team and I made a trade in good faith saying, good, I got another first round pick this year. And then all of a sudden now it's going to be for next year. I don't want it for next year. I want it for this year. I mean, the Ottawa Senators could do some real damage in this uh, in this draft. They, they've got three first round picks and four second round picks. Wow. They, they are loaded for bear. Like they can... Uh, they can really make trades and try to improve their team big time. And, you know, worst case scenario is if this lottery happens and they pick, you know, second and third or second and fourth, there's a lot that they can do. They can go, they can go with, you know, Byfield and Drysdale. They can get, you know, one center, one defenseman. They can just load up with forwards and get Byfield and Stutzel. There's a lot of things that they can do and they still got to pick later on in the round. I mean, they're a team to watch. The Devils have two first-round picks, and uh, I'm kind of a little wary about them because I can see them c- trying to snake one of the picks that I'm going to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And it, just to make sure, you know, we we wrap up before we move on to some of your prospects here. It sounds like, you know, Manny, you 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 don't want them to pick a goalie, and then Dan, you think if they do, it's going to be a one, with one of the seventh-round picks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think you just maybe keep the extra strategy going if you just take a goalie every year. I mean, look, they didn't have to take a goalie last year and they took Roddy Ross, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, just kind of good strategy that, that you just keep taking, you know, at least one goalie per draft. Okay. All right. So let's yeah, move on. I mean, to some of the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's, uh, hey, it's, it's kind of work because you've added depth in that position. I'm just wondering where they would fit. Um, and then how early do you take that goalie? And I mean, other than Askarov, uh, everybody else kind of just falls into place. There's not really any any other guys that really stand out. But hey, you never know. I mean, you got to trust their uh, their European scouts and uh, and their you know Canadian junior scouts that they can uh, find a diamond in the rough, kind of like the like a Fedotov seventh round pick. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, Dustin Wolf, who I mentioned uh, earlier with the Silver Tips, he's a seventh round pick as well. Calgary Flames. Uh, and they're laughing all the way to the bank because, you know, he's goalie of the year in the WHL. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh, what he translates to in the NHL in the big show, but that's a hell of a draft pick right now. For sure. So let's move on to some of your names here, Manny, because a couple of these guys have some cool names. These are names that you know, of, of players that I kind of liked as well. Surprised that you had a guy on here that could possibly slip to the flyer. So let's get to some of these guys with the, with your first guy being Hendricks LaPierre. Yeah, this is, this guy is probably the most interesting guy. He's like the Dosecki's guy of this draft. <laughs> Everybody says he's got the talent. He was a former first overall pick in the Quebec junior league. So he played in the Quebec league with, um, pardon me, with Shikudami this year. Um, he is a center, you know, he's tall, you know, he's six foot, he's 181 pounds. It's his second year. Uh, the problem with him though, is he's got an injury history. And I think that with, you know, no draft combine this year, 
teams aren't except for the Arizona Coyotes who somehow, you know, got all this information on all these guys. There's another <laughs> thing that they got to figure out how to punish those uh, jerks, but you know, no draft combine. Uh, they really didn't get to see these guys play in a postseason when games really matter and you really want to see the best of a player. But Hendrix Lapierre is a guy who everybody had as, you know, a top 10 talent, but He's been, his career's been derailed here with injuries this season with Shikudumi. I mean, he just to put it in perspective, last season he got a concussion in February, and then this season he had two more. So he had one in October, and then he came back and in November, and then he played six games and then got another one. And at first glance, you're sitting there going, Listen, the Flyers have already dealt with, you know, Nolan Patrick with the headaches and, you know, terrible luck with, you know, Oscar Lindblom and, and you know, of course, Eric Lindros, you know, and all, all this history. But I think that there's a real chance that if there's a guy that's going to drop, it's this guy. And he's got enough talent where it intrigues me at 26. If this guy's available at 26, I'd be all over this guy because I don't see where you're going to get the upside uh, that you're going to get with him. I know he only scored two goals this year um, in the Quebec league. Um, I'm trying to look for, yeah, he played 19 games. He had 17 points, uh, almost a point per game last year. He had 45 points in 48 games. So he really hasn't lived up yet to that first overall potential. But when I see him play, he's kind of lanky, and and tall and I kind of I kind of see a bit of a Kevin Hayes in him where he's got like this reach and he can protect the puck a little bit and you know he can skate he can move he can score he can do all the right things um guys like Craig Button had this guy as like as high as number five at one point uh earlier this season at the beginning of the season he's got talent it's the question is the concussions and the medical clearance I just saw an interview with him on TSN and they basically were asking him questions. And he said, look, he goes, I had a doctor's appointment in, you know, March 16, but the week before they'd canceled all the, you know, all the season and everything else. Um, he goes, I saw a report that said that, you know, he probably only had the one concussion. Uh, I think the one in October, they basically said that he had some issue with twisted vertebrae in his neck and that he was waking up every morning with headaches. And so everybody automatically said post-concussion syndrome. This kind of sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? You know, for like Nolan Patrick kind of thing. But he swears that he is good to go, that the, the game plan all along was for him to come back, play the last three, four games with Shikudami, and then go into the playoffs and, and really for him to show his stuff. He, he feels that he's a top talent. Uh, when asked about where he should be drafted, he he obviously avoided that question, um, and I don't blame him. But he's a guy that is really interesting, and and you know NHL teams they've seen him, um, but they haven't seen him. You know they want to see him at, at when the games matter. Um, people are going to say, well, two goals this season, seventeen points. Who cares? Um, and I sort of get that. But this was a guy at the Ivan, sorry, the Helenka Gretzky tournament, or is it Gretzky Helenka, where you got the best under 18 players in the world. I mean, he dominated with 11 points in five games. He was easily Canada's best player. 
this is a guy that should have been on track to play for Canada at the World Juniors. This is a guy that should be playing for Canada at the World Juniors next year. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of information that scouts are going to be going in blind a little bit with a lot of these players because they haven't seen them at the big stage um, in some of these, you know, the, in the playoffs and everything else in their respective leagues. And I can see people being a little scared, uh, especially if you're at, you know, 17, 18, and you've got other players around that, you know, kind of have uh, a bit more mileage on the, on their belts uh, under their tires this year. I could see them passing on him. I mean, we saw we saw Cole Caulfield, you know, one of the most prolific scores, if not the most prolific score last year, drop. And you know what? I could see this guy dropping too. And if he's there at 26, I don't see what the problem would be uh, for the Flyers to to go out and literally take a fly. Not not really a flyer on him, but this guy with his upside, you can definitely take a shot at him. And I would based on uh, the draft position, if they don't move up. Yeah, if Hendri- if a guy like Hendricks LaPierre is there at 26, I would say I'd be disappointed if they didn't take him. Uh, Dan, do you have any anything you'd like to add on, on Hendricks? So, like I said, I haven't done a ton of prep yet um, for the draft this year outside of kind of like the top five, top ten guys you're looking at. So I guess I'll just talk about my thoughts on taking a guy with that kind of injury risk. And again, with the qualifier that I'd probably want to look into it a little more, but it's, I would say that more often than not, when guys drop due to injury concerns, their, their careers don't necessarily, they, you don't look back and say, man, I wish we'd taken that guy higher. And I don't want to do a little more research to kind of like back that up and, and see, you know, I remember the year that, uh, you saw a guy like Gabriel Velarde, who I thought was the third best player in the draft a couple of years ago. He dropped to like 10 or 11. The Kings took him and he's missed a couple of years with a back injury. He, when he plays, he's phenomenal. He actually scored a goal in his first shift in the NHL this year. I've won my dynasty a, team, believe it or not. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's scary with, with and, and concussions might even be scarier than a back injury. We've seen it with, Pascal LaBears, the Flyers drafted him. And after that, he suffered that horrible concussion. And he's just never really gotten to the same level. And it's obviously different with a guy like LaPierre. I'm assuming that he didn't sustain a hit like LaBears did. But when you're talking, I mean, a first round pick is a is a huge asset. And I'm just, I'm not sure you want to spend that on a guy who's got a lot of injury risk. You know, I was skeptical or... Uh, you know, at least cautious with the Flyers taking Nolan Patrick. And you just, you, you know, you obviously, you, you don't want to see it again. So if there's, I'm hearing it's a pretty deep draft, and I'm just not sure that I would spend a first-round pick on a guy with, with that kind of risk involved. But again, you know, qualifying that with, uh, I need to look at it a little more. I think that's a fair answer. I mean, we kind of just heard both sides of the, uh, you know, both sides here. I mean, uh, reasons why... A team could pick a guy like Hendricks at 26 and then reasons why, you know, he might slide to 26 or even past 26. So, you know, I don't necessarily, there's, I don't think there's a right or wrong type thing. I think both you guys both gave great opinions on Hendricks LaPierre. You know, why you, you made great points why he could be taken at 26 or why he could not be. Having said that, let's move on to a guy who 
you know, another candidate for coolest name in the draft in Maverick Bork. Definitely a cool name. And he's another Quebec major junior product. So he's with Shawinigan. Um, shorter than uh, than Hendricks, but he's 5'11". Um, again, plays center. Uh, improved over his first year in Quebec. Uh, in 49 games, he had 29 goals, 42 assists, 71 points. So well over uh, a point per game. Uh, he decreased his uh plus minus from minus 28 to only minus four this year. So he's getting a little bit more comfortable on the defensive side. Um, they, Shawinigan was a bubble team. Like they were like uh, barely in the playoffs. They were fighting with Victoriaville uh, where Igor Serjuk, the uh, Flyers forward prospect plays. They're fighting for like the last spot or the last two spots in the, in the Quebec league. Uh, he was drafted into the Quebec league in the first round third overall. So he went two picks after Hendricks LaPierre. Um, the thing I like about him is he's, he's got a good shot. Um, he's sneaky. He's elusive. He's a shifty kind of player and he likes firing pucks in through traffic and he can get pucks on net, uh, even with bodies in front of him. And he's actually pretty accurate at where he can put that puck to with bodies and with traffic in front. Um, you know, he's got a, you know, improvement from his rookie year, as I said, He's got good puck control. He can stick handle in tight, tight situations. Um, he can find loose pucks. And you got to love that name, Maverick. Yeah. It's been, if you love the movie Top Gun, imagine a future line with Maverick, Goose, I guess that's Gustav Nyquist, um, and Merlin. And we could be the Top Gun line, but that's probably uh, wishful thinking at this point. I do think. Uh, I do think Maverick Bork will be gone, certainly, by by 26. Um, and I, I do think, though, he'd probably be there at 20 or 21. And again, that's a, if you want to go up, to, if they can move up a few spots, it just opens up options for them where they can decide between a guy like a Hendricks Lapierre or a guy like this, uh, Maverick Bork. Uh, just quickly before I go uh, on, uh, he did have a seven-point game in the Quebec League this year. Uh, it was against the Halifax Mooseheads, and uh, Shawinigan won 7-4, so he was in on every single goal. Wow. That's pretty damn impressive. Uh, he also had a, uh, a five-point game uh, earlier on in the season as well. So pretty uh, pretty slick character that... Uh, you know, unfortunately, he's not related to Ray Bork. Otherwise, that would have been like, sign me up right now. Get this guy in here right now. But um, again, I think he's going to go around the 20-ish range, maybe 19, maybe 21. But um, if the Flyers can move up, that's another guy that they should keep an eye on. So here's my, my things. I would like to see the Flyers potentially, you know, we hate Tom Wilson, right? Like he's just... He, he plays like an asshole. I mean, he runs around. But he, he's been a really important member of a Stanley Cup winning team. You look at the uh, oh, the Bruins have got a defenseman. Just to, I, I, What I want to see the Flyers do, and the guy I'm thinking of is Jeremy Lozone. And he's a, he's a defenseman who played some big minutes for the Bruins. They took him in the second round in 2015. And I just remember watching him in juniors because he played on the same team as Phil Myers did in juniors. And I remember watching the, uh, I think it was like the Memorial Cup, and 
and I was watching Myers, and then I kept seeing Lazone because he just kept burying guys. And yeah, then you see what Tom Wilson does. I want, I'd like to see the Flyers get a player that plays like that with physicality and also has some size. Because one of the things I worry about with this team is we. it seems like our tough guys are like Travis Konechny, who's smaller, getting in, in players' faces. And look, I love Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim, but I worry about injuries with both those guys. They're both kind of, you know, tall and and thin to a certain extent. And, and Myers plays with a little bit of an edge, but he's had some concussion issues. I want to add some players to this roster who can play with some skill, but also, you know, you don't want to mess with. And so I don't know, are there any guys in the first round who have, you know, have the talent to go with it, but they're not, you know, wouldn't necessarily be big time scores, but also kind of play with that physical edge that like uh, Tom Wilson or Jeremy Lazone plays with. I don't think it would be at that level, but uh, I'd say Dawson Mercer uh, who played for Canada at the World Juniors? He's uh, he's also in the Quebec League, but um, he's not overly tough. But certainly, he's kind of like a little power forward sort of guy. He's six foot, and he's he still has a little growing to do. He's about 175 pounds, 180 pounds, but uh, he could probably work his way into that conversation. But I don't see that right now in this uh, in this for, not in the first round, anyways. Not in this draft class. It's it's a lot more skill oriented, and a lot more uh, yeah, a lot more in terms of skating and shooting and and just guys that are good playmakers, guys that can make things happen offensively. Yeah, Manny, there's I'm nothing gonna, wrong. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to throw Fine. a name at at Manny real quick, and maybe a player that fits your needs. Uh, I'm going to put Manny on the spot. How about a, a guy like Justin Sourdiff? He's in the WHL on Vancouver. Yeah, I've seen some mocks having him go at the end of the first, early second. He seems to be creeping up as the weeks go by here. And Alex kind of described him as... uh, Agitator. Yeah, somebody that... A buck 60, though. He weighs a buck 60, though. I'm not sure that's the kind of guy I'm thinking about, though. So is he like a Brad Marchand kind of type? Like just a... he kind of compared him to like a Richards type player. Hmm. I love Richards. Um, I'm looking at a mock draft right now, and he's not here in the in the in the first round. Okay. And they only have one round on here, so um, I don't think it's a very good one either because they got Jarvis at 27. So good luck with that one. Okay. Hang on. So I just brought him up on. Yeah, I mean. It's, He's all over the place ranking wise. Like I'm, I'm looking at three right here, and he's ranked 68, uh, 23 among North American skaters, and 47 overall uh, from elite prospects. Uh, this past season with the Vancouver Giants, 54 points in 57 games, 26 goals, uh, and he improved on numbers from 2018-19, where he played 64 games, 23 goals for 46 points. Uh, eight points in 17 playoff games. I don't see. Uh, okay, so there's 31 penalty minutes, 44 penalty minutes, plus 27, plus 30. Uh, I don't know. Alex brought him up, and he, he couldn't wait to talk about him. So I was it's just a guy that, you know, he described as somebody that I would like, which I like the more more physical guys. And uh, Dan mentioned a Tom Wilson-type player. I'm like, I wonder if Justin Sourdiff would fit that bill. But Maybe yeah, somebody that we talk about on a future the end show. Of the, the first round, 
Um, but I've seen a lot more of the European players that um, Alex had mentioned um, previously on your show. You know, the Reichels and the Nisaks, and I think there was a, a Russian or two uh, that were wingers that, that had been mentioned, and a couple of defensemen, a Finn, a Swede. Um, no, I don't, uh, I don't know too much about uh, Justin Sourdiff. 26 yeah, might be it bit. might be high for him but if I think if you're looking for a player like that uh, he would fit the bill but maybe 26 is too high but that would be a, yeah, but you be know, a name again though I see the 510 and the 160 and I'm I'm looking for I'm not necessarily looking for an agitator cuz I think we've got agitators mm-hmm. I'm looking for someone that's like the Wayne Simmons where it's like man I'm I'm not going to I'm I'm scared of this guy you know and and someone that's going to be going to lay out players with some big hits you know that's kind of kind of what i'm looking for a little bit and it's again you can get that in the combination of skill not necessarily a tom wilson type but like Braden shed who was never my favorite player he'd go out there and he'd lay out some big hits from time to time you know mm-hmm. so i'm just looking for guys that might be a nice combination of skill and physicality because i think that that is something that this team just lacks a little bit because you even look at the bigger guys on the team like a JVR or a Hayes or some of the big defensemen, and they don't really play with that much of a physical edge. So you look at even big prospects like an, a Ratcliffe, you know, he, he plays like JVR where they're just, you know, not, not very physical. So that's something I'd kind of like to see this team add, some, something with a little edge. With, with, uh, with all those attributes that you mentioned, it's definitely more apparent in the defensemen. Uh, especially in the first round. Okay. Yeah, Jake you know, Anderson I mean, fits that bill. He's a hard hitter, uh, but he's a defender. Braden Schneider is a big boy. You know, he's a defender. Um, not so much in the forward crop uh, that I've been seeing over and over. It, it's more of a, uh, the defenseman. Maybe a topic for our next show. Sounds great. Yeah, always going. A lot of guys go really deep into those rounds and. There's uh there's one or two guys from like Ed- Everett and uh, and Seattle maybe that I've seen a lot more of or the Hitmen but um yeah I, nobody jumps to mind certainly for the first round anyway yeah so let's move on to your third name on uh, your list of players you wanted to bring up here that could be available at 26 Manny uh, the last name on your list is Jacob Perot. Yeah, again, I think it's a bit of a reach at 26. I, I think out of the three guys that I mentioned, I think Lapierre's got the, the biggest chance to drop uh, to the Flyers at that point. I still, uh, I'd like Dan, I'd like to see them move up at least, you know, four, five, six spots and really open up their options for what they can do. But just real quickly, Jacob Perot is uh, 5'11". Uh, he's just about 200 pounds already. Um, 70 point season with the Sarnia Sting, who were not a very good team at all this year. Um, so he had a really good season. He scored 39 goals. Um, I know a lot of Flyer fans want a shoot first kind of guy, and this guy seems to fit that bill. He he shoots from everywhere. He doesn't care if he's you know in the slot with a prime scoring position or if he's at the goal line, really sharp angle. He will fire the puck on on the net and make the goalie make the save. He is a shoot first guy. Uh, he loves jockeying for position to try to get that shot off. And you know what? He's just willing to test uh, the goaltender 
every which way that he can whenever he gets a chance. He loves to hang around the net. He loves getting the dirty goals, uh, the greasy rebounds. He likes it all. And he, he has the NHL pedigree. His dad is Yannick Perot. Uh, who played with the uh, the Leafs, the LA Kings, and the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. I believe he played for the Blackhawks. Uh, he was born in Illinois, so he's an American player as well. Um, the only downside I can see, and I can see the analytics guys are up rolling their eyes already, he was a minus 34. But that being said, again, it's you know context is king. He was on a terrible team, and he still put up 70 points. So if he was on a good team, you know, with really solid line mates, you can imagine that number being uh, quite a bit higher. Definitely. For sure. Very solid prospect. I mean, I never really looked at Perot because I assumed that he'd be long gone. But if he could fall to 26, for sure, man. I mean, yeah, I don't absolutely... think he will. I think if he falls, it'll be to like 20, yeah. maybe. Um, but yeah, 26 again. I, I'm not too crazy about 26. I'd like for them to go up a couple spots. Uh, if they can, depending on, you know, what they would move. Yeah, and I think we're all in agreement where we'd definitely love to see them trade up and go get a guy. So that could be a name. Uh, Dan, any thoughts on Jacob Perot? No, I mean, again, you know, I, I think that uh, Manny, you know, got it pretty well covered with him. And I just, I, I don't know these kids enough yet to really make intelligent or unintelligent as the case may be statements. So, um, no, I don't, I don't really have anything to add on, on any of these specific guys. Okay. All right. I mean, that's going to wrap it up for, for those guys there. Uh, Manny, a couple quick notes you wanted to add in on, uh, some happenings uh, within the Flyers, uh, organization here. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, just, uh, I guess some quick news, uh, Adam Ginning, who we talked about, uh, when we, when we hit up the defenseman in the system, uh, he signed with uh, a new team in uh, in the Swedish, uh, you know, SHL, the uh, the top league in Sweden. He's going to be with Farstad uh, this coming season. He signed a one year deal, so he's going to be staying over there and and trying to uh, you know get get his career back uh, on track and 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 moving again, which is good to see. And um, just today, uh, German Rufsov, the germ. Uh, really terrible nickname, by the way, especially uh, in light of the circumstances around the world today. Um, if he doesn't make the NHL, I think he's got a, a hell of a lawsuit that he can uh, – whoever gave that him that name, the germ, uh, you could probably sue the, the pants off of him and, and get some money for the guy. But uh, his rights for the KHL got traded today, and I'm trying to get the hockey buzz. Bill Meltzer wrote about it. 21-year-old Rupsov, still on an entry-level contract, was traded his KHL rights anyways, meaning if he leaves the NHL, if he leaves the Flyers and goes to the KHL, uh, his new team is going to be Ska St. Petersburg, where Yuri Laterra plays. And um, in, interestingly enough, um, he was traded with another player in exchange for former first overall pick, Niall Yakupov, man, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, really. Could you? Uh, that's just crazy, man. I, I thought he was going to be a solid uh, NHLer, honestly, like an Ovechkin type player, and then just not even in the league anymore. Yeah. Wow, Actually, man. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. I, I never listened to uh, Spitting Chicklets, but I was kind of going down a YouTube rabbit hole yesterday or two days, two nights ago, and I, I came across an interview with Brian Burke, who. 
I hate the I, I don't like the Leafs, so I hated Brian Burke when he was the GM of Toronto. But I love when he talks because he he just he just says what's on his mind, like for good or, or for bad, and and he doesn't care. He's you know he's an Ivy League uh, lawyer. Um, I think he went to Harvard. Um, NHL you know GM manager. You know he's the guy who did the uh, the Sedin trade and all that stuff. And he basically told the guys on Spitting Chicklets, he was like. Niall Yakupov was one of the worst uh, draft interviews I've ever had. He's like, the guy was so boring. He didn't care. Like, he didn't want to be there. Like, I'm paraphrasing. But then he went on and he said that uh, a different draft class was uh, Thomas Vanek. And uh, Thomas Vanek literally said to Brian Burke, he's like, I I really don't even know why I'm here talking to you because I'm going to be long gone by the time you guys pick. This is when he was with Vancouver, I think. Wow. And Ryan Burke looked at him and he said, listen, he's like, you know me, I'll trade up right now. I will go and get the number three overall pick and then not take you just so that you could sit here just because of you talking to me like that. And then he kind (laughs) of cooled down and basically he said he became a really nice chap after that. But I thought that was hilarious. I was like, wow. I'll trade up just to not take you. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that's so awesome. Where did you fight? You were just on YouTube for this? Yeah, it was, was on a spitting chiclet interview. Yeah, if you YouTube Brian Burke and like spitting chiclets, I'm sure it'll come up. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that tonight. That sounds pretty good. Uh, what else do we have, guys? We have any anything else we needed to uh, bring up? Um, I don't know, Dan. What do you think about Ginning and uh, and the Rubsoff thing? I mean, you know, Ginning's a guy who dropped out of my top twenty prospects. I think it was one of the worst second round picks uh, that Ron Hextall made. And he's a guy with literally zero offensive upside who didn't even play good defense last year. And he was, he was demoted from the SHL to the Alvenskan, I believe for a spell last year. So I just, he's a rough and tumble defender, but I just don't know if he, he has what it takes to, I don't know. His upside is third pairing NHL defenseman. So I we'll see if, if, if the Flyers, I don't think he's obviously under contract with the Flyers right now. So, you know, I, I think he's got a ways to go before he'd be considered an NHL prospect just because, again, he has zero offensive upside. So it's all about him playing his defensive tenacious style. It's funny because I just talked about how that's something I'd like to see the Flyers add some of, but I think you need to add it with, with guys who can also you know, add some skill to the equation. The Rupsov thing is interesting because, right, we say that, hey, this is only if he ends up leaving the NHL and going back to the KHL. But, you know, sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. And it's like, well, someone thought that there was a reason why it might make sense to trade for his rights in the KHL. So, you know, look, Vorobiev has kind of failed in five or six NHL call-ups and people are rumblings of him maybe at some point going back to the KHL. And Rupsov really has not impressed to this point in his NHL time either. He's had some injury problems. So I, I wouldn't say that I, – I, I would put some stock into it and, and I would not be surprised in two years' time if both Vorobiev and Rupsov are, are back in the KHL. You know, the Linus Sandin signing was was really interesting. Um, a 23, 24-year-old Swedish winger who was, I think, one of the top goal scorers in the SHL this year. Yep. And to me, I would not have said that the Flyers needed to add depth 
you know, on the third line on the wings because they have so many prospects coming up. But I guess when you with when you talk about with Lindblom probably not playing for the foreseeable future, maybe they thought it was an important thing to add. I mean, he to me, he reminds me kind of of a Michael Roffel type. And I think Roffel's perennially undervalued by Flyers fans. I think he's a very good player. He's 31. You talk about getting Roffel when he's 23, 24. I think that's what you're talking about with, with Sandine. It, but it, to me, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Flyers roster shapes out for the 2020-2021 season with the addition of Sandine. Because it was already getting a little bit crowded in that top nine. Like, okay, where are we going to put Morgan Frost if Nolan Patrick comes back? And so, you know, I that to me, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see which of the unrestricted free agents they bring back. I don't think they'll bring Nate Thompson back. Do they bring Pitlick back? Do they bring Derek Grant back? You know, that's the forwards to me. It's, it's very interesting. I think the defensemen are, are pretty set. I think that they're going to re-sign Braun and they'll bring Haig back. Um, the question is what happens with the ghost, but the forwards to me, it's really interesting with that Sandine signing. Yeah, I agree. I'm most interested to see how this roster is going to shake out. You mentioned guys like Morgan Frost knocking on the door. Joel Farabee's already been here for most of the season. You know, guys could be on the way out. Nate Thompson, Derek Grant, and, uh, you know, a guy who played pretty damn well this year in Tyler Pitlick. It's going to be really interesting to see how the roster shakes out. I mean, they, they played very well this year without Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom, who, you know, God willing, are, are both able to play hockey you know, not just next year, but in the future, there's going to be some tough decisions to make on this roster. And I, I guess I see it as a good problem to have compared to years in the past, for sure. But there's going to be some decent players that aren't going to be on this roster, I don't think. And hopefully they make the right decisions. Yeah, and it's all about flexibility, right? I mean, does Sandine signing, does that change the Flyers' draft philosophy? Maybe maybe they don't go for a forward, but I kind of still think they do, just because it's so talent-heavy and forward this first round. And I have a feeling that there's going to be, once the first two or three defensemen get off the board, I think there's going to be kind of a scramble, and the teams that really want a defenseman are all going to be jockeying to try to get you know one of those remaining uh, guys, because then it does drop off quite a bit. But um, in terms of the goalies, just to kind of close it out, I guess, whether they pick one or not, kind of an interesting problem they have having all this depth and and there's no rush for any of them. It used to be that defensemen used to take kind of the longest to develop. We've kind of seen that change now where it's the goaltenders that, that kind of take the longest. And I'll, I'll just, I needed a, an example uh, to kind of, uh, I had the wine example last time, so I'm going to be a quick, uh, a quick example for this one. But I had, a, I used to work at a garden center when I was a university student, and I used to work with this old Polish man named John the Gardener. He's a great guy. He had actually had a radio show uh, in Polish that he would talk about, you know, gardening, trees, fruits, vegetables, the whole nine yards, flowers, and people would drive from all over the place just to come and talk to this guy to get his advice. And one time this guy drove all the way from Hamilton and he goes, I want to see John the gardener and in broken English. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll come and I'll show you where he is. And uh, he asked the question, he goes, I'm going to buy a cactus, but when do I know that the cactus needs water that I should water the cactus? And 
John the gardener perked up his eyes and he kind of gave me this little smile and he's like, okay, you listening, you paying attention. Cause I'm going to teach you something right now. And he goes, no problem. No problem. He goes, you want to know when to water cactus? Listen, you have newspaper. The guy goes, yeah, yeah, I have a newspaper. He goes, good. Your newspaper have the weather in it. He goes, yeah. You know, the big map of North America, Canada and United States. He goes, yeah. He goes, well, then here's what you do. When you see that it rain in Arizona, then you water cactus. <laughs> and I said, this guy's pretty funny, man. That's pretty hilarious. And you know what? That example kind of applies to the goaltenders. You know what? We've got a bunch of cactuses. And in Ivan Fedotov's case, a really big cactus. And you know what? They can take all the time in the world. They don't really need water right now. They can just sit there and simmer. And when they're ready, they're going to be ready. And uh, it's really good to see. Like, we've got a ton of prospects in our system. Um, I think some of them are better than others, and, and some have a lot more upside than others. But if one or two of them fall off the map, I don't think it's too much of a big deal because we're seeing some encouraging signs, gentlemen. For sure. Great story there, too. Great, uh, great, great voice you did. Good impression. I had to have a manism for this episode. Come on. <laughs> that was good, man. I enjoyed that story. Dan, if you have any stories or impressions you'd like to do before we wrap up. You know what? I'm not even going to try and uh, <laughs> one. I could, I, I would just disappoint everyone, I think. All right. Well, at that, let's wrap up, guys. Another awesome show. Man, do you have anything you want to promote before we wrap this one up? Uh, yeah, just some great stuff at brotherlypuck.com. Uh, you know what? We Brotherly Pod, the, we, you know, we had Carson Twerinsky on a couple weeks ago. We had the incomparable Bill Meltzer on for an interview. And uh, the awesome Curtis Gabriel interview, which I got to tell you, Jim, you were a part of that interview. It was well done, man. Like, I listen to a lot of hockey interviews. You know, I love the Mike Keenan uh, hockey news podcast because he comes up with all these great stories about the past and I just heard on 31 thoughts Mike Vernon had a great interview and sometimes you get these interviews from guys where you're like yeah I don't know I don't know too much about this guy but you end up really liking it and learning it you guys had a hell of an interview with Curtis Gabriel man it was really well done he's a good human being man he was an easy guy to talk to you, you know how you get some guys and they're like giving you the recording voice you know or you, you meet the recording personality. It just, he was the same before, during, and after. He was just a genuine guy, easy to connect with. So glad you enjoyed that one, man. I enjoyed the Torinsky and Meltzer interviews as well, man. Awesome stuff you guys are doing. And, and obviously Dan's, you know, Dan's awesome to, to work with. You guys know Dan. Uh, it was it was cool just to be a part of that episode, you know, with, with everything that he wanted to talk about and, you know, put out there. It was really, it was really cool. It was a special episode to be a part of. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. If you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you go check out what they're doing over at Brotherly Pod. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, Dan, anything you want to promote before we uh, wrap up? Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at dsilver88. You can also uh, listen to some of the uh, podcasts that I do at the uh, Get Bullied podcast, and that's you can find us on Twitter at, at Get Bullied. Me and uh, my co-host Mark Giannone. And then also, uh, if you check out the website, phillyisflyer.com, I've got my most updated Flyers top prospects piece there. It's the top 20, well, actually top 21 prospects. And uh, take a look uh, at the website over there. All right, boys. If you guys are still listening, 
you can find some of my stuff over at Puck Pros. I'm trying to put out some cool stuff for you guys. Trying to keep busy during the quarantine. Make sure you check out some of the uh, some of the past prospect episodes we've done. Uh, we're going to try to do a cool uh, first round mock draft for you guys with all the HW prospect hosts. Should be fun. Uh, so we'll have that out soon. Uh, at that, for Manny and Dan, I'm Jim. We're going to wrap up, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Dan, Brandon, Alex, Teddy, Manny, that's my team. Try to drop the gloves with Jimmy. You get smacked in smithereens. Take a flyer. This is Philly, greatest host you ever seen. If you bleed in black and orange, then the pot is what you mean. What you mean? Truth be told, if you listen, it's gold. Jumping in the wagon, if you're coming, get in, grab a hold. If you're rolling, better be with the boys from the H up. Information, you can pin it if your wind is in the sub. Bobby, Reggie, Bernie, Dave, Gary, call it love. Now we coming up. Brush your bullies, that's what's up.